to this week's Oxcast, your weekly roundup of all the best events happening in and around Oxford. Today's date is Wednesday the 9th of November and this week Michael gets a bit arty, I've got DNA daiquiris, but first here's Jem with a weekend roundup. A weekend of Woodstock and Whiteham. Um, so we've got Woodstock Poetry Festival going on. This particular poetry festival is short but amazingly packed with top poets. Um, so they've got Liz Lockett, who has been the Scottish national poet, Gillian Clark, who's been the Welsh national poet, and Lem Sisse, who's practically the Manchester national poet, I think. Um, yeah, lots of really big names. Um, it's um, mostly taking place in Woodstock Town Hall. Um, so it's running 11th to the 13th of November officially. Um, some uh, events are happening in the church. Um, I guess it depends how big they expect the audience to be. Lots of local poets as well. Oxford Stanza, who are very well recognised, I think. One uh, event is about uh, See How I Land, which was a book of um, writing by Oxford and exiled writers. So people who had started off in another country and landed up in Oxford for one reason or another, um, including Varney Capildeo, who won this year's Forward Prize. So lots of really good things going on, and wine and refreshments and various other things. And it's centred around uh, the bookshop, but um, I think they're the organisers. But uh, most of the events aren't actually taking place inside the bookshop. Presumably, it would be a bit cramped. Mm-hmm. Um, there are tickets £60 if you want to go to all events, uh, but individual events are either free up to about £10-ish, so mm. it depends. Um, but yeah, lots of really interesting stuff. Uh, and they're finishing off with a good old Irish sing-song with Bernard O'Donoghue and Tom Paulin, who are uh, regularly doing stuff in Oxford. And uh, yeah, take, I think they take charge of all the James Joyce celebrations, don't they? So they're good names. Um, yeah, so the 11th of November is when it's really centred, a really packed day. Uh, I urge everyone to go along. Whether or not you think you like poetry, I think you come away <laughs> enjoying yourself. Uh, if you love fireworks, didn't get enough of them last weekend, we have found for you two events on this weekend, late fireworks, one at Whiteham uh, and one at Risinghurst. Uh, they're both Saturday, November the 12th. Um, Whiteham, gates open at 5pm and the fireworks start at 6.30, £5 and 14s free but you must have an adult with you. Um, there's a live band and a barbecue and a licensed bar and other exciting stuff and that's taking place around Whiteham Village Hall so it's the big cricket pitch there I think. Uh, parish fireworks and Risinghurst, um, again Risinghurst Community Centre so it's actually in the green that's next to that, that's on Kiln Lane. Um, and gates open 5.30, bonfire 6.45, fireworks 7.15. Uh, very modestly priced this one, adults £3, if you're 5 to 16 or £2, under 5 to go free, if Bargain. you're feeling brave and like loud noises. Um, <laughs> and uh, there's a fun fair at that one as well. Um, so, yeah, lots more bangs to come. Catch up. And uh, if you fancy uh, chatting away with your family in uh, ancient languages, um, you might like to go to the Latin for Families class. Um, This is actually a year-long course uh, happening every Sunday, and it's at the Iris Classic Centre, which is at Cheney School. Um, Latin for Families Iris Project. Um, Yeah, I think it's 11 till 12 every Sunday. They've actually designed this as a course that you go to the whole year of, so they are building on the knowledge week by week. Um, but it only started in um, the middle of October. So um, if you want to see if they'll accept you uh, at this point, and happy to catch up with your uh, alves and your salves, um, then uh, email info at irisproject.org.uk uh, and you can join in with that. I wish I'd learnt Latin. Really? Yeah. 
it would have been useful in history. Yeah. Mainly because people, historians, insert random Latin phrases in the middle of sentences mm, and you don't yeah. understand what happens. Presumably, it'd be vital if you were a lawyer as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think it's also useful if you want to speak something like Spanish. If you've done Latin, you, mm. Spanish comes quite, yeah. quite easily. But. Or if you're just a wordy person. Yeah. And would love to see where things came from, which I really love to see where things came yeah. from. Yeah. And just Latin, uh, I think I was in the, one of the last few years in my school who could actually learn Latin. Mm-hmm. It disappeared shortly after. Oh. And it's very sad that it's yet deader than it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so this next event um, isn't particularly fixed within one category. It's sort of a sciencey, boozy event, <laughs> which is the best of both things, I think. It's called DNA After Dark, Shaken and Stirred, and it's uh, being run by Science Oxford, and it's taking place on Thursday the 10th of November at Morlin Road Church. So, it's been over 100 years since DNA was discovered, but what exactly is DNA? Don't worry, I'm not going to quiz your knowledge of DNA, because I had to Google uh, what it stood for. Deoxyribonucleic acid. Well, Ten points to Jen. <laughs> I'm lagging behind here in the university well. challenge. I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> there wasn't much warning. I'm sorry. Mm. I um, did study it for three years. I should probably. <laughs> in fact, I can only remember because we went to the um, Natural History Museum last week and looked at the lovely revolving molecule, which is so um. soothing. <laughs> this brings me a lot of comfort. Um, so this is your chance to learn more about its secrets get hands-on with a lego inheritance challenge they promise sweeties <laughs> I, I inherit lego i'm sure <laughs> i actually did inherit lego from my siblings so uh, yeah maybe interesting an opportunity to make your own strawberry dna daiquiri your own dna or someone else's oh i don't want to think about i think it might be demonstrating <laughs> I think it's demonstrating how they extract DNA and like pick out particular genes. At least that's what I'm hoping. Okay, it could be strawberry DNA. Mm. Uh, I, think, like. I think you're right. Oh. Maybe. I've got some DNA facts for you that uh, amused and horrified me. In a percentage, how much common DNA do you think we share with a mouse? Okay, mice. In the 90s. Mm, let me see. I feel closer to the dolphin in many ways. <laughs> um, I think mice, a bit, a bit smaller than that. I was gonna, I was just gonna go way low, mid thirties. Jen, you, you're more on the money. It's ninety-two percent. Yeesh. Um, how about cabbage? I'm gonna go way low on this, mid thirties. Seventy. <laughs> Forty to fifty. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess more people are. Some people are more like cabbages than others. <laughs> I don't know what that Me means. Personally. Is, that, is that how that works? Personally, I feel about 70% yeah. like never eat bubble and squig again. Um, another interesting sort of wordy fact is all life forms have DNA, but the only animal with DNA in its name is the echidna. Ah. <laughs> Bizarre. And my favourite and the most horrifying... Thankfully, uh, men have lost the DNA code that once made human penises spiny. <laughs> I'm so pleased that Tracy... Did they have it once? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a horrific thought. Well, there's a thought. Yep. 
I'll leave you on that. So that's DNA After Dark, Shaken and Stirred, uh, which is at Moreland Road Church on Thursday the 10th at 7pm, £9 for adults, £6 for concessions, and it's suitable for ages 16+. plus. So many questions. <laughs> Why are we still here? <laughs> My cats have barbed penises. Mm, I've always thought that accounted for some of the yowling. Um, so resolutely to heighten the tone again, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we come to the artiest part of the podcast um, and modern art Oxford, which has been celebrating 50 years as a major force in the art world, um, has been running a series of exhibitions called Kaleidoscope this year. And the final rotation, as it were, of the Kaleidoscope <laughs> is entitled The Vanished Reality. <laughs> Good name. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? And that's opening formally this Friday, the 11th of November. Kaleidoscope has been bringing together the work of international artists and big names like Yoko Ono and Marina Abramovich to examine subjects from perceptions of time to globalisation, consumerism, cultural identity and memory. Um, And the unifying theme of this um, final rotation is... um, Exploring systems of display in art that reveal power dynamics at work in wider society. Ooh. They're kind of speaking about a reality beyond themselves. Okay, so artists from different generations are using lots of different uh, materials and forms. Uh, So I get to discover lots of new things here because these are um, creators I'm not very familiar with. Uh, So we have Marcel Bruders. That's a guess at the pronunciation. Belgian. Started off life as a poet until indeed until the age of 40 he was a poet and then turned to the visual arts. So he had a, a kind of poetic sensibility and sense of humour that um, governed what he did. So for his first solo exhibition he uh, encased unsold copies of his uh, of his poetry <laughs> in plaster and turned them into sculpture. Behold, there they are, inaccessible. <laughs> please, please look at them. And use the history of poetry in other ways. So in early life, his friend Magritte, yes, the real Magritte, uh, gave him a copy of poet Mallarmé's um, A Throw of the Dice Will Never Abolish Chance. Heard of it? I don't have one in my collection. Um, which was strongly referenced in a later Bruder's exhibition where he showed um, 12 aluminium plates based on the poem's idiosyncratic layout with Mallarmé's words redacted with black censor bars. Um. You see, in this case, good ideas, but they actually look good and are visually mm. pleasing as well as just oh that's a that's a great idea i see, can see that it's art now so should be fun to peruse um another guy uh the artist hans hacker when the artist hans hacker is asked to submit a proposal for the statue to occupy the fourth plinth in trafalgar square mm. yeah he was he thought it was a bit of a joke um but the, and, and he would never be accepted but in the end he made a huge Sculpture of a horse skeleton cast in bronze, which had a digital display ribbon tied around its foreleg, um, which would kind of live stream this, this London Stock Exchange. Prices would be going round on it. And, you know, you can read that in a number of ways. <laughs> um, but, yes, the relationships between money, art, privilege and power, being in Trafalgar Square, um, are all involved there. So that was a Boris-backed project. Well done, Boris. Um, we've had a mention of cultural appropriation in recent times. 
But not in every area of art is appropriation a dirty word. So Louise Lawler uh, from Bronxville, New York, has been described as an appropriation artist and has a look at the sort of private lives of, of artworks, so where they were made or where they were stored and the relationships they've had with particular places rather than just here is the uh, contextless artwork. It, it's, so yeah. she's a sort of art stalker? In a way, she's, yeah, I guess so. An art, art gawker. And various other interesting uh, creators, including Darcy Lang, who's done lots of video work, uh, including work studies in schools, which looks at the implications of video for teaching and learning environments. This was started in the 70s uh, when he did studies in Birmingham and several Oxfordshire schools as well. So, local boy, come good there. Uh, <laughs> not really. Um, many other things to discover at Modern Art Oxford. Uh, I expect to be able to read a review of it, and indeed of all the previous iterations of Kaleidoscope from, uh, from this year, from resident arty person Shoshana Kessler. Go to that, it's free, and wander around and be arty and go to the cafe, it's great. But don't tread in the shoes. Yes, don't destroy <laughs> the artwork. <laughs> or destroy it with a pushchair. Or appropriate it too much. <laughs> Well, I see your uh, modern art Oxford uh, 50 years, and I raise you, Oxford Operatic Society, 70 years. Oh, Whoa. goodness. Um, 70 years of, of operising Oxford. <laughs> uh, and this year they're doing Oliver. Oliver. Uh, Oliver. <laughs> Dickens' terrible story of social inequality made considerably more fun. Lionel <laughs> <laughs> Bart songs. True. Shall I say that again? <laughs> No, uh, so that's on at the Playhouse uh, that's starting on Monday the 14th running through to Saturday 7.30 every night plus a Saturday matinee at 2.30 and tickets are 11.50 to £21 if you fancy something sooner another comic opera uh, we have Albert Herring going on uh, <laughs> this week Benjamin Britten's comic opera uh, which he wrote uh, after writing the opera The Rape of Lucretia so this is I think the light relief uh, for working on um, yes uh, this is happening at St Peter's College uh, done by St Peter's College Opera surprisingly enough um, and it runs from tonight Wednesday the 9th to Saturday November the 12th uh, and that's 7.30 every night £15 or £8 concessions Albert Herring's story is uh, about a virginal grocer's assistant uh, in a village where all of the women are too impure to be the May Queen. Uh, someone suggests he should be the May King, um, but he's rather unhappy about this and he gets teased considerably oh. um, until his drink is spiked and uh, he takes the £25 prize money for being a May King and runs rampage. <laughs> uh, oh, Albert. That's what peer pressure can do. <laughs> it is. Yes, it's, it's all the butcher's fault. Um Yep, uh, on on Friday this week, Friday the 11th, uh, we have the interesting um, event, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, but done as a radio play. Um, so I'm imagining amazing soundscapes and uh, sound effects and foley artists all over the place. Uh, this is happening at Lime Walk Methodist Church in Headington, uh, Friday the 11th, 7.30, and Saturday, 2pm and 7.30, and it's £7 for tickets. Are they going to be doing it live? I believe so. Lime Walk players present this classic film as a radio play, is what it says. I so I believe this is a not just a recording and an event. I, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> well, I don't know. Perhaps the whole event. It's a, this is a performance art where I press play. I don't know. Um, I think we'll have to go along and see. Yeah. If it, yeah. 
Oh, it's really fun seeing kind of behind the scenes, even if it's a sort of projected behind the scenes and you're actually in the scene. Mm. <laughs> you said, I'm not sure whether there's something to see with old fashioned microphones and scripts and anything. Which, of course, we're gathered around right now. Of yeah, course. Yeah, of course. Basically, record it dr- directly onto wax cylinder and then hope <laughs> that somehow the digital transfer and works. Then melted. <laughs> <laughs> So, as many of you can tell by the amount of poppies we're seeing on jackets, um, Remembrance Day and Remembrance Sunday are happening this week. If you'd like to do a bit more than simply watch the Queen Lear wreath in London, why not head to the Oxford at War Roadshow 1914-1918, to which is happening this Saturday at the IT services at number 13 on the Banbury Road. So, this is a chance to share family memories or artefacts and local history and record them for future generations. So you can meet up with experts on World War One and bring along your own family's artefacts. Don't worry, they won't take them away, they just record them, uh, take photos of them and then those records are then put online and accessible to all, which is fantastic. Cool. Uh, it's a bit like the Antiques Roadshow but just for World War One. So they encourage you to bring along trench art, bayonets, letters, photos, stories, or just come along for the films and exhibitions and a chance to chat about the First World War. Uh, Also, it's worth mentioning that this doesn't necessarily just mean soldiers' stories, but also stories from other members of the family. So if your great-grandfather was a child at the time, then why not share any stories you have from him? This is an Oxford University project which has been running for 10 years and it's not just been based in Oxford, they've gone all over Europe, both uh, sort of the allied countries but also the perceived enemy, I guess, so some really fascinating stuff. I managed to chat to Alan Edwards, who is Head of Communications um, in the spacious but freezing cold Radcliffe Observatory Quarter, hence the outdoor vibes in the interview, about notable objects. So there's two in particular. (laughs) We were doing this work in Munich and along came a gentleman with a postcard and the postcard was quite normal, same sort of thing as we've seen all around Europe and it was from a soldier to his friend and it said uh, I've just had my dental work done, I can't wait to go back and see the lads back at the front. Nothing unusual about this. And then you come to the signature, and it was signed Adolf Hitler. So that was quite incredible for us to hold something completely ordinary, but from such an extraordinary person. Mm. But this isn't really about the great and the good. This is about real people, the general public. And there's so many stories from those. One in particular was a diary that a soldier had kept at the Western Front and inside the diary was a lock of his daughter's hair uh, redhead and um, I believe that the man hadn't survived but somehow the diary had made it back home to the family and so we were dealing with an extremely precious and fragile item 
and the lady who'd brought it in, who was probably the granddaughter of the little girl whose hair was there in this little book, wouldn't let it out of her sight. Yeah. Uh, and we were very happy for her to come along with us and stand there whilst we took these photographs. Yeah. Uh, and that was just one of those days that make you really stop and think. Listen to the Oxcast Extra to hear about Alan's personal links with the First World War, other ways to get involved, and why Alan wears a poppy. Um, there's loads more information available at www.oxfordatwar.uk, not .co.uk. It's very important. Okay. Um, so you can see all the resources that have already been uploaded. It's fantastic. And finally, if you have a great desire to go to the cinema, uh, I've got a couple of choices for you, maybe depending on your tastes. Pick one of the other. Um, so earlier we were talking about the joys of learning Latin uh, recreationally, but have you ever learned a language as if your life depended on it? <laughs> Even as if the future and continuation of the human race depended on it? Well, I haven't. But Amy Adams has played someone who has. Okay. <laughs> Are you suggesting we all learn Finnish and move to Finland? <laughs> That's one possible reading of what I just said. Um, so, amazing sci-fi Arrival is about to arrive in cinemas, including The Phoenix and The Odeon. Um, tomorrow, it's Thursday, and in it, the linguist gets to be the hero. Hooray! Hooray. So it's from the director of Sicario, again featuring someone at the top of their profession, enlisted by the US military. Familiar. <laughs> uh, so this time, spacecraft have entered the atmosphere and are looming ominously like huge slices of Terry's chocolate orange. It's <laughs> 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 kind of what they look like, but 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 good. Um, and they're sitting there, are we? And it attempts to communicate with them. We have to figure out what they're here for and what they want so what they want is the central question do you think it's going to please all the linguists or do you think it's going to be one of those things where all the linguists write angry letters to the time saying they're doing it wrong like with the scything <laughs> of oh maybe so why were they complaining oh the scything was all wrong the serious scythers were very cross oh, gosh. oh I think they were so. missing the point of that scene <laughs> <laughs> Holdak was giving scything a bad name apparently as well as all the other things you may have been doing. Amateur. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they've not done a bit more research in the case of Arrival. I imagine their budget's a bit bigger. I imagine their budget <laughs> is a bit bigger. Their budget is also probably a lot bigger than something like Doctor Who, but as in something like Doctor Who, usually scary things happen and terrifying things happen and then it's someone's job to work out the motives of the scary thing mm. and realise that they're maybe not they're exactly so scary after, just like after you. all. Well, <laughs> they could be very cuddly heptopods or they, they could be, uh, they could have terrible motives, but it's the it's really about the, uh, the effort and the drive to communicate and understand someone else's point of view, I guess, is I want- what makes this quite compelling as well as just looking shiny and amazing. I wonder if the budget, if the film is also larger than the budget of most linguistics departments of most <laughs> universities. <laughs> Why Probably. Probably. they've contributed to me. I have a good mind to write a letter myself now. <laughs> You've convinced me. <laughs> so I'll definitely be going to see it. Um, and it's open from tomorrow. Uh, and something else that's appearing, probably only for one day actually, but is new dimensions to the word epic. Napoleon's coming. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take any more. You just call men right now. More invasions. 
No, we need a new European hero, do we? (laughs) (laughs) It's not something new. It's not the Spielberg TV series that was talked about a while ago. Uh, but it's the cinematic originals from 1927. Wow. This is very old. Um, but which has been being restored for several decades now. <laughs> They've been waiting until the digital technology is just right. So this is a French film. It's um, written and directed by Abel Gons. And it's his depiction of the rise. It's the early years of Napoleon Bonaparte. And technically it's really groundbreaking. I mean lots of the, the techniques that we see, you know, from one film to the next nowadays that were kind of unheard of then um appear in it. So in times when most shots were just like static frames through which the actors moved like a theatre stage, here we've got handheld camera shots and fluid motion instead of uh the static shots. Fast cutting, underwater camera, what? split screen wow. That's cool. So there's like a, it's probably not really a spoiler, but the end where it happens in triptych and there are like three separate scenes all wow. in, one, in one screen. Gosh. I imagine um, a handhold camera then took about four men. I, d- <laughs> I can't imagine, or there's some kind of worried horse. <laughs> Horse-held um, camera. <laughs> and t- to watch the trailer, probably might shatter your thoughts of what was doable in 1927. Um, so its signature visual style is made up of these very inky blacks and lush tinting. So it, mm. it's not... It may be mostly black and white, but um, it's equally black and purple, black and red, <laughs> black and... <laughs> because it's just very heavily tinted. And we get to see Napoleon's advancement, his rise, his battle against the sea, and other things but okay some some statistics we may we may have to know these things before we uh, pop into the phoenix on sunday to see it so i said it was epic how is 333 minutes for you um so that's this is five and a half hours um wow. of of amazingness um so when you say sunday you mean all of sunday <laughs> I, mean, I mean pretty much bring a picnic there will be there will be a 40 minute interval or ah. um which I think is entirely necessary. <laughs> or you'd be like, I can't remember what happened at the end, but I really wanted to go to the toilet. <laughs> um, so yes, there there is an interval. This was um, Abel Gons. Uh, imagine this as being the first of six films about the life of Napoleon. Wow. <laughs> which should have ended up being like 34 hours or something in total. Um, unfortunately, maybe. Um, <laughs> it didn't quite get around to it. Um, and as well as being... Visually restored, the uh, the nineteen eighty score by Carl Davis has been re-recorded, um, and did the premiere at the Royal Festival Hall. It was a live showing, and I don't know what aspect, but the screen was mad long, um, with the Philharmonic Orchestra, and the composer was there conducting, and cool. Wes Anderson was just there enjoying it. <laughs> don't know why I mentioned it. <laughs> But yeah, it sounds really interesting and definitely one for those interested in cinema history and what is possible in the genre. It's a Sunday from 1pm at the Phoenix. As ever, you can uh, see full cinema listings and indeed all event listings on our website. As well as Katie's full interview with Alan Edwards of uh, the Oxford at Wallroad Show. And don't forget to follow us. We're on social media at... Daily Info Oxford, or at least you can search for us on Facebook using that. And subscribe to the podcast to get it to your device every week. You can find us on iTunes.